Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Hey friend, it is so great to see you. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm coming in from Austin, Texas. What about you? If you haven't already, let us know in the chat where you're coming in from. This is a dynamic, interactive conversation. And boy, are you not going to want to miss this conversation because we have the amazing Chris Croft with us. You might recognize him. He is one of the top LinkedIn learning instructors. Fun fact, he had one of the top ranking in the millions and millions and millions of views that LinkedIn learning gets every year. He was in the top 10 most watched instructors. Incredible. He teaches on sales negotiations. He's a keynote speaker. I mean, He's one of those people that has like multiple commas, you know, the people I'm talking about where you're like author, comma, keynote speaker, comma, coach, comma. He's, he's a lot of commas, a lot of commas going on. So I hope you will help me welcome him here. But first I wanted to say a big hi to Alexis, who's coming in from New Orleans, Scott, who's coming in from Ohio. So is Matt. I wonder if Scott and Matt know each other. I don't know, but it's good to see Jen from St. Louis coming in, Matsu from Seattle. I don't know if I'm saying your name right. So excited to see Dean, who's going to be joining us in a couple of weeks, sneak peek, because him and Chris, you want to see a dynamic duo, you get Dean and Chris Croft together. That is one dynamic duo, but it's so good to see you, Andrew from Gainesville and Elena. It's just a fun bunch. And if you're listening to this on repeat on your podcast, I'm saying hi to you too. Maybe you're walking the dog right now. Maybe you're grocery shopping. Maybe you're just doing a little walk around the block and trying to avoid your to-do list. I see you. I get you. We're all here. So let's focus in now though on all things negotiation and sales, because the reason I wanted to have Chris on today is I feel like 2023 we're going to have to do some negotiating. There are those of us out there that want the bigger paycheck. There's those of us out there that want the better job, who want a new job, who want a bigger deal, a better deal, new clients, new businesses, all of which require a little thing called negotiation, which if you're like me, might not come so naturally. I'm a people pleaser. Negotiation is very hard because I just want to give everything to the other person which leaves me with nothing, which is actually a very terrible negotiation tactic. So that's why selfishly, I'm so excited to have Chris here because I think he's going to teach me a thing or two. And in addition to that negotiation, really kind of digging into sales. That's essentially what you're doing with negotiation. You're selling your idea, your viewpoint, your way of thinking to somebody else. And if you have other questions, because I know Chris covers a lot of topics, That's what the live chat's for. We're collecting them. We're talking about them in real time. So don't wait till the end. No, no, don't do that. Ask them right now so that you can be part of this conversation. So please raise your big cup of caffeine, in this case, some green tea, and help me welcome Chris to our coffee chat. Hi, Kim. How are you? Thanks for that amazing introduction. I am not worthy. Uh, but you've got Dean Carroll coming on in a couple of weeks. So he's, you've got to, he's, everyone's got to see him. <laughs> Everyone. I would actually like to see the two of you. That's a dynamic duo I'd like to put together. Yeah. I almost was going to say you should have had us both at once, but on the other hand, I'd never get a word in. So it, it's better to do have us one at a time. <laughs> oh, but that's a good idea for maybe, maybe next yeah. quarter. Maybe oh, Dean yeah. and Chris combo. Oh yeah. He visited me in England and we had such a laugh. It was, it was really great. He's quite, he's quite naughty. He, um, <laughs> I like his sense of humor. He's a good guy. So oh, yeah. I um, love it. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Cause like I just sort of admitted, confessed, 
Uh, negotiation does not come easy to me because I am a people pleaser and I just want to make everybody happy, which often leaves me giving everything and then ending the day and being like, my cup is empty. This is not good either. Yes. I know. What do you say to someone who just struggles sort of innately with kind of negotiating or standing up for themselves or, or kind of going after what they want? Well, I've got a few things that I do because I, I have the same thing. I, I worry about what will they think of me and will I lose the deal? Yes. Um, you know, and all kinds of things like that. And one of the things I always tell myself is they're probably laughing at me. So, um, you know, I went, they quote me a price for something that I'm thinking of buying. And I'm thinking, well, can I ask for money off? It's a little bit expensive. But on the other hand, I've got to have it. And they're probably thinking, let's put in this really high price and see if Chris pays it. They're probably laughing or, or a car. If you're going to go and buy a car, they're probably laughing at how much profit they're making out of you. And they may not be, but I tell myself that, you know, what if they are? And that's enough to start me along the line of thinking, well, you know, maybe maybe I should try to get a bit off then if they're if they're laughing at me. So that's the first thing I do. I say to myself, maybe they are. And then the second thing I do is I think about the fact that everyone's got weaknesses. So. Um, you know, that person who's quoted me for a job of some sort, they are probably um, desperate for the work and, you know, probably would come down in price. Or the person who's selling the car is probably desperate to sell that car. Or, or if you take a, a work example, salary, suppose you're, you know, it's a job interview and they're saying, well, you know, this is the amount we will pay. They're probably trying it on. They're probably trying to go for a low amount if they can get away with that. So they're probably laughing at you, but also they're probably weak because by the time they are offering you the job and you're talking about money, you know that you're the one that they want. And mm -hmm. if you've ever interviewed, you know that it's a nightmare. If the person you get down to the final person, you offer them the job and they don't they don't take it because what do you do? You have to go to the second best person or have to do all the interviewing all over again. So you're actually really weak when you when you're talking about salary to a potential employee. So if you're the potential employee, tell yourself the, the other person has weaknesses. You know, the other person wants you. The other person can't find anybody better than you for that job, which may, may, may seem ridiculous to you. But that's the situation because they're offering it to you, aren't they? So the other person always has weaknesses. Uh, so that, that, there's the, that's my starting point. I try to imagine it from their point of view. And when um, you go in, like if I am somebody who is, to use your example, you know, asking for more salary, whether that's a raise or or maybe it's a totally new position, do yeah. you recommend, or maybe with the clients that you've worked with in the past, do you recommend them sort of writing down a few bullet points of, of the whys? Or do you find first to just say, I would, you know, I'd like $20,000 more and I'm not going to necessarily tell you why I want $20,000 yeah, more, or I, why I think I deserve $20,000 more. I mean, I think generally the more preparation, the better, but yeah. it's not really about logic. You know, if you say, right. well, there's somebody else in another company who gets paid more, they'll say, ah, oh, well, that's different because, and it, it's not about logic. In the end, it's about how you feel. And feelings are much more powerful than facts in, in negotiating. Because if you say, well, I'm just not happy, you know, I feel I'm undervalued. Your boss can't say, well, yes, you are. You know, you are happy. And they go, no, you're not under that. You know, but if you say, well, I'm just not happy. I, you know, I feel, um, you know, that my pay's been neglected for a few years now. And I, I just feel that all my friends are being paid more. And if you can keep it down to feelings, it's much harder for them to argue. And also they have to do something about it if you're unhappy. So so I, I, I wouldn't worry about trying to collect huge amounts of evidence. And because and quite often it's it's impossible to prove anyway. Um, so I, I'm thinking about this example in my own mind, and it's probably totally boring to everybody else, but I can't get out of my head, which is I'm having a studio made at the moment to film people, to make training courses, right? Which yeah. studio is a posh word. It's just a sort of room, really. But we're having it soundproofed so that we don't hear any cars going past and stuff. And there's a guy who's quoted us for the soundproofing. I really hope he's not watching this. And um, he's quoted us about $7,000 for a whole load of work. I mean, things hanging off the ceiling to absorb and all sorts of clever and really good quality stuff. And I'm thinking, should I negotiate? 
So I'm thinking, firstly, he's probably laughing at me. He's, it's probably costing him 2000 He's going to, he's probably going to try charging me seven, end up on five or four, you know, maybe it's worth a try. The second thing I'm thinking is that he has weaknesses. He's probably not, I mean, at this time of year, nobody's really doing a lot yet. And, and everything's a bit quiet in England at the moment. And so, you know, he's probably thinking, um, oh, I'd love that job. I really want to get that job. You know, maybe his family are about to starve unless he sells this job. You know, so maybe he has weaknesses. Maybe his boss has given him some target. You know, so speculating a bit about the other person's weaknesses makes you stronger. So now I'm thinking, I I've really got to do this. Now, in terms of proof, I can't really prove that he's too expensive. All I can say is, well, you know, I've got a budget for this and I'm having to spend money on various other things. And, you know, I, I can't afford that much. Now, that's not a provable fact. In fact, it's not even really true because I could afford the seven. I just don't want to pay the seven. So it's not about it's not really about facts. Facts and proving it don't really come into it. My starting position has got to be I can't afford that. Uh, can you reduce it at all and see what he says? Um, and now he may say, well, yeah, I could come down to five. He might come straight from seven to five. I've made $2,000 in one minute. He may do that. And sometimes that happens. He may say I can come down from seven to 6.8 or something, in which case I've made $200 in a minute. And I've learned a bit more about him as well. I've learned that he's prepared to come down, but not very much. But he may just go, no, 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 I can only afford seven. Right. So that's my first my first thing is just to say, can you reduce it a bit? Because I can't afford that. You know, if I if I buy all bit, all the different bits, you know, the windows and the ceiling and the walls, could you give me a better price on all three? Something like that. And just see what he says. And if, if he says no, in fact, whatever he says, the next thing I need to do is I need to come out with a number. So suppose he's come from seven to six. I then need to say or even if he goes from seven to seven and doesn't move, I need to say, well, the problem is. I can only afford three and see what he says then. And, and my opening offer needs to shock him a little bit, you know, because if I said I can only afford six and a half, he's thinking, oh, well, that's going to be all right then. So, you know, to drag him down, I'm going to have to go for sort of three. And just one other tip while I'm on this is three actually isn't a good number. I need to say 2.7 or 3.2 i need to, i've got i've only got three thousand two hundred dollars for this that's all i've got and so why is that get, why why not use the well, round number because it needs to sound like it's a real precise number that i've calculated that really is all i've got or yeah, i've done yeah. the investigation and the normal amount people pay for this is this much or whatever so it needs to be if i just say how about three He's thinking it's just a game. He said seven. I've said three. He'll come to six. I go to four. It's just a game. Uh, and, yeah. And so, and in fact, he's done well already because he's quoted me a whole load of random numbers. So, so he's done, you know, he's quoted me 3.1 for this and 2.7 for this and da, 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 and it's all come to about 7.4 or something. So, and, and actually he's probably just making numbers up, but they sound yeah. very believable. So the numbers that I use have to be believable as well. They mustn't be round numbers. Um, well, so, and what so I always find too is is it's it, it is helpful to your point to anchor low, you know, kind yeah. of go in anchoring lower than you think, yes. just to kind of start somewhere. Yes. Although, can I say something about the word anchoring? Because yeah. um, it's a really interesting. It's the, the word anchoring comes from NLP, doesn't it? I don't know. Are you an NLP person? I don't know, Kim. No, you know I about... don't know what that is. Oh, well, there's a thing called neuro-linguistic programming, oh. um, which is the idea is that words have a big effect on how people think if you use particular mm. words. So, for example, if you saw a film that was really great, what yeah. word would you use to describe? Would you call it awesome or marvelous or terrific or fab? What would you call a really great film? <laughs> Epic? Oh yeah, epic! Oh, super. I, don't know. I, I might just say super great. <laughs> super great. You might say super great. So, super yeah, great. So, it was really great. So if I if I notice that you say it's super great, I would say yeah. later on I would say a super useful tip is this because I know that if I put super on the front, that's the words that you use, so that yeah, will go straight into your head. Whereas if I say it was marvelous, you're thinking, oh yeah, Chris means super great by that. You're having to translate from my language mm. to yours, not just me okay. being English. But just everyone's got their own words. 
So, yes. Um, so if you, I mean, yeah, my son would probably say hectic or crucial or something. And I'd have to think, well, what's, what's, does that mean good? You know, so, right. and, yeah. and if the words are exactly right, they go like straight into the other person's brain. So, mm. so the idea of NLP is, is to use the words that work for other people. And some people like visual words, like look at this and I'll show you this and you kind of paint a picture. Oh. And other people yeah. are supposed to be auditory and you have to say, listen to this. You'll like the sound of this. Mm. And, and apparently you can work out. I mean, I don't know how much truth there is. And some people absolutely worship NLP and they think it's the answer to everything. I think it's a tool to know about. I think if you if anybody's listening to this and doesn't know about NLP, I would, you know, Google it. Uh, maybe have a see, yeah. see if there's a LinkedIn learning course on it or whatever. Um, so, yeah. Um, and anyway, so. One of the ideas in NLP is anchoring. So the idea is that we associate words and feelings with situations. Mm. So, you know, so for example, I've got the dentist on Friday. I'm going to have, I'm having an implant put into my, you know, it's really hot. There's like loads of drilling and then they put in a screw and then they like screw on a tooth. It's right at the back. Quite expensive, quite horrible. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm dreading that, but I could use NLP we're way off subject now, but who cares? I could use NLP to get rid of the fear. So what I do is I imagine myself in the dentist chair with a guy drilling away. And then I make that picture very dim and black and white and gray and not at all brightly colored, just small and gray and smaller and smaller. And then I just spin it away over my shoulder into the, into the distance. And I'm saying to my brain, don't worry about Friday. It'll be fine. And I just spin it away. And Another thing you can do is if you apparently if you think about your safe place, your ideal paradise, lying on the beach, maybe with the sun coming down on you and maybe you're just, you know, you've got your pina colada or whatever it is. Right. And while you're thinking about that, you just maybe pinch your your muscle here. Right. Then what you do is you anchor that feeling with that with that feeling that perfect beach and the pina colada with this, mm -hmm. right? So then every time you're a bit understressed, if you just go like this, it takes you back to your sort of how you feel good. Now, I, I don't know whether that really works because I, I haven't used that. But I think the idea of... But it's an idea out there, yeah, one that we could thought. learn about, which is super yeah, interesting. And, I mean, what we normally do with something like a dentist coming up in a few days is we imagine it really big right in our face in great Technicolor with sound yeah. effects, you know? And if you make it small and go and spin it away and just think, you know, I, so I think I think NLP is really interesting. I think we can influence our own thoughts. And where that comes into negotiating is that there's a debate in the world of negotiating about who should open first, right? So most things in negotiating are more or less sorted. Like we know you shouldn't use round numbers, but who should open first is a really interesting question because you know, it, suppose you were the guy going to fit the acoustics to my office, right? And you're going to charge me seven. And suppose I want to only pay two. What's your gut feel? You know, suppose there's nobody's mentioned a figure yet. Do you think yeah. it's better for him to come in and say, it's going to cost you seven, Chris? Or do you think it's better for me to say, I hope you can do this for two because two is all I've got? What do you think? I mean, this is just me personally. What I have found with my business is I always, I'm very upfront. I hate the back and forth of people. And yeah. I always say, I don't want to sell you a Tesla if you have a Honda Civic budget. So we can talk on the phone for 30 minutes about what color you're going to put in your Tesla. Oh, what are the cup holders going to look like? Oh, yeah. it's going to be bright red. And then you tell me, well, I actually only have the budget of a Honda Civic and I'm going, well, we just wasted 30 minutes that I will yeah. never get back talking about the Tesla that you can absolutely not afford. So what I always tell people is if you have a budget in yep. mind, can you at least tell me what that is so that the range in what I'm talking about is not so far out of scope, you know, to use your example of the guy soundproofing the room. Mm. I would almost think if I, if this was something that I wanted done next week or something that I didn't feel like I had a lot of time to kind of go back and forth and back and forth, I would say, listen, I love you. I love your work. I have $2,700. What can you do to this room for $2,700? And he'd say, well, I can add, you know, these panels yeah. here, 
this panel here or, you know, something like that. Um, but, but hang on a minute. So you, yeah. you would open first if you were the, you would open first no. if you were me with the room, but with the Tesla, yes. you'd get the other person to open first. I would, if it depends on the situation, but I would say in that example, if I'm higher, if someone, if someone's quoting me for something, I yep. would want to see their quote first. Yep. Um, yep. if it's something that, that, um, but I would tell them usually when they're quoting it out, but if you were buying a car, you'd go in and say, look, I've only got this much money. No, so no, 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 no. I've no, you get them to, you also. get them to open first. Yeah. Yeah. You see, because I, I agree like with you. So I, I agree with you. I, I think get them to open first because it might be good news. Like the guy fitting my office out, he might have just said $500, you know? So if I'd weighed it in and said, I've only got two and a half, you know, he might have said, Oh, I could do it for that because <laughs> he was going to do True. it for less. So True. you never know. So you want to get the other person to open first. Um, it's true. Now, oh, I love I this. That... I love this question too from from Marcelo. It doesn't totally apply to the situation we're talking about, but I can see where it would apply. You know, the situation that we're talking about in this example, soundproofing a room, not very high pressure. But if you were in a situation <laughs> that was, you know, high pressure, maybe you're back and forth with the client, and you're like yeah. kind of at the end part of the deal, and you need to get this done. Maybe, well, using this example, maybe you need to get the room soundproof by like next Tuesday because you you have a big filming, you know, with yeah. Oprah's coming to Chris's house, and you yeah. need to have or the, the, the studio ready. Um, what? How do you think that any of your techniques change, or do you sort of have like a um, a, a toolkit that you pull out that you're like, oh, if it's if it's high stress, I always do this. Well, I don't know if it's good news or not, but I would actually say, by the way, I want to come back to anchoring in a minute because I'm yeah. quite finished. But I, I would say it's the same. It might happen a bit quicker. But the first thing is don't be in a high pressure situation if you possibly right. can. Right. I, ideally, you want them to be under pressure, but not you. You know, yeah. so you want to buy a car on the last day of the month or something like that, because then the salesperson's really got to sell it and you don't care. Or you want to start looking at cars like months before your current one runs out, etc. So ideally, you wouldn't be in a high pressure situation. But of course, it happens. But the second thing I would say is, remember, they're under pressure as well. You know, almost certainly, you know, if there's some deadline, you've both got to get an agreement. Remember that they absolutely have weaknesses. Always think about the other person's weakness. Mm -hmm. So they have weaknesses too. Um, and, and I think everything else would apply. Um, yeah. You know, get them open first, don't use round numbers, all those things that we talked about, they apply. Um, yeah. Can I just go I back actually to just, just I did it. I did an Instagram post this morning, actually talking about the person that will always have the upper hand in a yeah. negotiation every single time is the person that's willing to walk away. Because yes. that person is willing to say, okay, fine. I'm not going to buy a car today. And then, to your point. In a high it's, pressure it's, situation. The problem with the high pressure is neither of you can walk away though. Right. And I think that, right. yeah. that's when it gets hairy. But yeah. but yeah. Now, something I haven't mentioned at all yet, even with my guy doing the office, is I need to decide what my walk away point is. Yeah. So, you know, he's quoting yeah. seven. I want to pay two. It could be that I won't pay more than three. And I, if, if he wants more than that, he can get stuffed and I'll just put some cardboard boxes on the wall myself. But actually, of course, I mean, I'm assuming he's not watching this. I, I would pay seven, you know, because that's not that much when you're talking about the price of the whole fitting out of everything, all the other stuff that's got to be done. Yeah. So, so, you know, my walkaway point in this particular case is his price. I already know I can afford it, which means actually it's quite comfortable for me. I can try and get some money off. I might get some, I might not. And, and that's actually another really important thing, because if you ask for a bit of money off, let's suppose you can afford it. Why negotiate? And the answer is because you might get some off. So so if I very politely and nicely just say to him, I don't suppose you could reduce it, could you? Then he, he'll either say I can come down by a bit or he won't. But let's suppose in 50 percent of the situations I get a thousand dollars off then that's worth doing, isn't it? And the other 50, I just have to pay his price. I've got nothing to lose by asking. You know, even if only one time in 10, 
I get a thousand dollars off. It's still really worth. It's worth a hundred dollars every time I ask, effectively, on average. And I want to so, point out yeah. that you said walk away point and not necessarily walk away price because I think to Jeff's question here, yeah. you know, using walking away as a tactic, it might not always be price. And I want everyone to understand it for you. It, it might be, again, I'm thinking about like in a job negotiation, maybe for you, it's, I absolutely want three weeks vacation. You know, I'm making that up. That's yeah. not necessarily price. That's not necessarily yeah. salary, but, but if you don't get some, that, you'll walk away. Yeah, exactly. It's some yeah. quality. Maybe it's time frame. If you can't get this yeah. studio done in two weeks, I got to walk away because, you know, I got Dean flying out from the U S it's got to be done. So, you know, well, it could I be think a combination as well. A combination. So be, yeah. Yeah. You either want lots of money and hardly any holiday or a bit less money, but you want more holiday and, and maybe the holiday can't go below a certain amount, but if you can get more, then you'll, you'll agree to less money. And so that's something you have to prepare before you go in. Because you don't want to be in a negotiation under pressure thinking, oh, hang on a minute. They've offered me two more days of holiday, but it's five grand less. Oh, so you absolutely need a little spreadsheet. You need to sit down and really carefully think, at what point will I actually say no to this mm -hmm. job um, and, and, and walk away? And that is really difficult. And the, the key thing about walking away is... And I'm really glad Jeffrey's asked about this because I, I actually think rule number one of negotiating is set your walkaway point and never go beyond it. So if you decide, <clears throat> let's say you know that it's a certain number of days of holiday. Let's suppose it's only the money, but the, it could be only the holiday. But let's suppose it's only the money. And suppose you want, I don't know, $37,000 for the, a particular job and you're being interviewed for, and they're offering it, they're saying that it's 30, and you and you decide you it's 37 or nothing. If they come up gradually to 36, but they won't quite pay you the 37, you've got to walk away, right? And, and you're walking away from perhaps a really great job over just $1,000 a year. Uh, or, or maybe they'll go to 36 and a half, and you're walking away over $500, but you must walk. You must always walk away if, if they won't come to your walk away point, right? And if, if you want to have 25 days of holiday and they're only giving you 22, now, you know, maybe you, you try to get 25, but you're happy with 22. But if you've decided that 25 is your walk away point, if they'll only give you 22 or 23 or 24, you've got to walk away. Now, I know that sounds a bit kind of crazy and aggressive, really. It's like walk away over one day of holiday. But the point is, when you set a walk away point, you've got to mean it and you've got to know you mean it, because if you don't really mean it in your mind, if you know. Now, obviously, we're going to ask them for like 28 days of holiday, but we know that we're going to settle for 25. So what we ask for is a whole other thing. But the point at which we walk is fixed. We carefully think about it beforehand and we must never go beyond that point. In holidays, we never go below it. We never go below that. And similarly with salary, you decide how much it is. Now, if you're asking for a raise from your boss, your walkaway point might be zero raise. You might decide that actually, you know, even if they won't give you anything, you'll still stay. But but you might think, if I don't get a raise of $500, I'm out. You know, if they'll only give me two or $300 raise, I'm going to leave. But if I get 600 700 that's great. I'm maybe going to ask for 1000 but that walkaway point that you decide very carefully before you go in, you absolutely must stick to because that's where all your strength comes from. So if you do walk away, and I do this sometimes, if I'm asked to do a, a talk or a training session, I decide, I decide how much I might get. So I'm going to ask for that just in case. But somewhere below that is my walkaway point. And if I don't get that, I'll walk. And sometimes I've walked away where they just won't quite pay me that it's only only a little bit less they, they can't quite afford to pay it and i walk and part of me thinks ah, you know i lost all that money i could have done that talk I'm, i should have maybe just gone a little bit below my walkway but part of me thinks no it's good that i walked away because i'm stronger next time because next time i negotiate and i say to the person no i really won't do it for that i know i mean it because i walked last time and they somehow can tell that i mean it now, it wasn't them I negotiated with last time. They don't know what I did last week, but they can tell through my body language that I do really mean it. So I, I never go past my walkaway point. And, you know, that's a rule. And everybody must stick to that. It's where all your strength comes from.
Well, and I'm glad that Liz brought this up because I think, Liz, I won't speak for you. I'll speak for myself. I think sometimes as a woman, um, we can feel that when maybe we hit that walk away point or when we're in the middle of a negotiation, that we are being rude or we are being difficult um, and, and, and maybe offending someone. So I'm curious, what ha, have you have you kind of well, tackled this with any of your clients historically, or, or maybe have yeah. some trick to maybe Three think things about I want how to, say. to? Yeah. Firstly, I don't think it's got anything to do with being a woman. I mean, yeah, okay, I, I, I think women don't want to be rude. Men don't want to be rude. I know that some women are accused of being aggressive when they're being assertive, and that's a game that some men play—a disgraceful game. But you know, men are accused of being aggressive too, and so. I, I don't think there's any difference. By the way, the research says that women are better at, at negotiating than men are. And no one really knows why, but they think it might be to do with reading body language, perhaps, because uh, women are known to be better at reading body language, but for whatever reason. So I don't think it's gender. But the second thing I, I think is, um, yes, there I, I do sometimes. In fact, I'll tell you about one I had this morning where I didn't negotiate because I didn't want to offend them. Um, but... But if you're nice about it, um, you should, you'll never offend the other person. So really, it, this should never be a problem. And, and I think what I would say is blame it on yourself, right? So, so in other words, you could say to your boss, look, I think you probably are paying me the going rate, but you know, I've just got this really expensive personal life or something. I just I need to earn a bit more money. Is there any way you could possibly pay me a little bit more? So don't say you're really tight. You're you're making a profit out of me. You're greedy. You know, you, you, this company is mean. That, yeah, that's that, that won't go well. No. So blame it on yourself or or if you're negotiating. So so when I'm talking to this guy who's who might may, may be fitting out my new studio, I, I don't want to say to him, oh, I think you're making too much profit. Oh, you're being greedy. Your price is real. I need to say, look, I just can't afford it. I mean, I, I wish I could because you're the guy and the quality's great, but I just can't afford that much. So blame it on yourself is a rule that's worth having in your mind because then you're less likely to offend them. Just always be nice. Always um, be nice. Can I tell you what happened this morning, actually? Because it's a confession. I did a bad thing, yeah. really. I mean, it's not that bad. <laughs> so, well, I probably did some other things. Like, I'm not going to tell you. Chris, don't but... admit to anything illegal. We're live, but go on. <laughs> no, no, no. No, what happened was I got an inquiry from London for somebody who wanted a, a training day. Um, and it was on it was on influencing and persuading. Would you like to do a day on influence and persuading? And I can do a day on that, but it's not it's not my favorite subject. I think it's a fascinating subject, but I don't feel like an expert on it. I've done a LinkedIn course, but but I it but my, I, I feel really, I know enough about it to do, uh, and I think I'm quite proud of my course. I think it's good, yeah. but I don't feel I'm an expert on it. Whereas project management, I love training. That, for some weird reason, that's my favorite subject. I like doing negotiating training as well, but project management is my favorite okay. thing to teach. So We're learning I, I all really, sorts of new things. I'm, I'm yeah, here for it. Because so, okay. it's funny because sometimes you know about something, but you don't really like teaching it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do days on influencing when I'm doing a series of days and people always love it. But I sort of I guess everyone has imposter syndrome a little bit. And I sort of think, who am I to teach this? You know, so anyway, so I also London is a bit of a pain to get to. I live outside London in the countryside and to get into London, the traffic, it's just a nightmare. You've got to go the night before, stay in a hotel. Yeah. It's a pain. So what should I do? I don't want to do this course, really. But I've been asked. She said, you've been recommended by somebody. Would you do it? And I partly hope she isn't watching this, but if she is, she'll understand. So what I did was I recommended a friend of mine who's a guy called Andy Edwards. And I said, you, Andy will be the guy to do this course. I'd really recommend him. Can I send you his details? And, and I did that. And she said, oh, thanks very much. That's really decent of you. So she's going to get Andy. He'll do a brilliant, yeah. better than mine. It'll Great. be fine. And I even put, I think he might be a bit cheaper than me too, which is probably not true, but I thought that'll be the icing on the cake. She'll definitely be happy. I really hope Andy's not watching this because that's who really should be watching this. Yeah, but Andy's good, by the way, anybody. If you want a guy on influencing, Andy Edwards is, is the guy. So, um, but, but why is that a bad thing? And from the negotiating point of view, what I should have done was say, yeah, I'd love to do that. 
and quote a really expensive price because there is a point at which it's worth me doing it you know if you offered me a million dollars you know i would happily go to london and do a day you know i'd do it for half a million i'd do it for you know i'd do it for you know not that much really probably so but whatever i so i should have thought about my walk away point which is quite high because it's london it's a subject i don't really want to do to be quite a high price and i should have asked for at least that and then seen what happened because maybe she would have just gone yeah okay and she perhaps would have paid it um and i didn't i just thought i don't want to do it i'm going to give it to andy and from the negotiating point of view that was not good and so you know if you've got a customer who wants something really you should never turn it away i don't think unless it's you know unethical or very boring or something but if it's something you can do there'll be a price at which it's worth it and if they can't afford it, then you can say, well, not to worry, but I could recommend somebody else who's cheaper or whatever. And so, you know, Andy's not normally cheaper than me, but for something I really don't want to do, he will be cheaper than me. Yeah, because so, you're going to quote half a million dollars and they're not going to yeah, pay yeah. that. So, so, so I that's, get what it. I, that's what I should have done. And I'm glad and you didn't. brought up this, this email because it sounds like this was a stranger uh, that was emailing you and it wasn't a friend or, or a colleague because I think it plays into Giacomo's question here, which is when we think about negotiating or going back and forth, do you have separate techniques, which is this is someone I've worked with five times and or I know well, like my boss, and I've been working yeah. with them for years and this is something I use. Versus this is a stranger. I've never met this person. Maybe you're interviewing for a new job and you've known this person for 10 minutes. Yeah, that's a great question, Giacomo. Um, I wonder where he is. That looks like an Italian name, doesn't it? If you're in Italy, I'm dead jealous, by the way. It's my favorite European country. I love Italy. The the people, the food, the buildings, the weather. Oh, what's not to like? Uh, But uh, yeah, the answer to this, I think, it's almost more difficult to negotiate with somebody you know, because you know them, but they know you as well. Yeah. And they sort of know that it's a game. Um, and it's harder to, to say things that aren't quite true, like, I really can't afford more than this. And, and negotiating is not quite the same as lying, but there yeah. is an element of dishonesty, I think, because, you know, mm-hmm. when I say to the guy, I can only afford two and a half grand, that's not true because I can afford seven. You know, I don't want, but I can say, look, I really don't want to pay more than two and a half. Um, But, you know, that's almost as good as admitting that I will pay more than two and a half. So, you know, the the one bit of negotiating that I think isn't very honest is that your current offer, you're saying it's your final offer, but it's not. And the problem is, if you know the person, they'll they'll know or they may know they may know stuff about you. Um, But at least, you know, stuff about them. So I think. If you're negotiating against a stranger, you're trying to read their body language, aren't you? You're trying to work out when they say, I really can't go beyond that point. You're thinking, is that true or not? And then you say, well, in that case, forget it. You know, do they then go, oh, well, maybe we could do something. And and I think it it becomes almost a sort of more of a double bluff game if you're negotiating with somebody, you know. Oh, he's in Milan. Oh, yeah, Milan. Well, it's a classy city. Um, yeah, so I think I think the tactics actually are the same. It just becomes yeah. a bit more weird when you know them really well. So, you know, if you know your boss really well, I still would say that, you know, I think my pay is probably going right, but I need to earn a bit more money somehow. I don't want to leave. I love my job. Is there any way that you could pay me a bit more? I think I would use exactly that same line if I knew my boss or if I didn't. I think there's a risk if you know your boss really well you might be too truthful and you might say, look, I only need $200. Whereas if it was someone you didn't know, you might try for more and you might, you know, use the tactics more properly. So I, I think that my warning would be, if you know the person really well, don't be tempted to not follow the process. You should still follow the process, even if you know them well. And I would also add, if you know somebody well in this example that you've been working at a job for a number of years, and you are asking for a raise as an example, I would always, always, always go back to the initial job description that you were hired for, because chances are, if you were hired two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, you are doing more 
than what you signed up for. And that's natural, right? Your yeah. boss says, hey, do you want to lead this project? Your colleague says, hey, can you help me with this thing? You want and to I do more because you're learning. You want to do fun. more, of course. You're, you're a team player, you want to mm. help out. And I always add that because I think sometimes people forget, you know, using this example, you get hired for $60,000 doing these eight bullet points. You know, it's not unheard of that two, three years later, instead of eight bullet points, you're actually doing 12 bullet points, Yes. but you're yes. still getting paid the $60,000. And I think it's worth it to go in and say, say I'm doing hey, more here, now. Here's a piece of paper that when you hired me at $60,000 yeah. two years ago, I agreed to. Here's what I'm actually doing now. As yeah. you can see, there's many more bullet points to this. So when I, I ask that. you for a $5,000 raise or $10,000 raise or 2% increase or whatever it is mm. you want to go after, I think it's also helpful because I think people forget that as humans, we are helpful people. We always want to help. Oh, sure. I'll help. I'll help. You know, and then you kind of realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm not getting paid for that. I'm doing it, but I'm not getting paid for yeah. it. Yeah. Can I, I add a couple of things to that? I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I, I think I would also just say, I would always soften it and say, I'm doing more than I was and I'm loving it. You could say, you know, I love it. It's great, but I am doing a lot more. So I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want my boss to think that I don't like the fact I'm, you know, I'm yeah. complaining. So you could say, look, I'm doing a lot more than when I first started. And, and when I first started, it was a 60K job. You know, I think I'm doing an 80K job now. And I love that, except I'm not being paid for it. So I, I would try <laughs> to make it always really soft, really nice. You know, you're going to get more if you're nice. And I think people think negotiating always has to be a little bit sort of horrible. But the nicer you can be. The same thing, I think, is if you think that it might be worth 65 instead of 60. I think you should say that I think I'm doing an 80K job now. You know, so in other words, open quite a bit higher than what you might get. Because, you know, you might get 70. And, it, and, and if you ask for 65, your boss is not going to go, oh, actually, it's a good point. You are a bit underpaid. Let me give you 70. Right. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, yeah, you are a bit underpaid. Did you say you wanted 65? Yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> so yeah. the only way that you might get the 70 is to ask for 75 or 80. So you know, why not just aim a bit higher and say, well, I think I'm doing an 80K job now, approximately. I mean, I don't know, but but I think I'm undervalued. So I think that the final thing I wanted to add is I totally agree with what you, what you say, Kim. You do the extra, then you ask for the money. You should never, when they ask you to do something else, like would you mind, you know, dealing with the Miami office? Don't go, well, I want an extra 2K for that. Because, you know, then you're just a pain and you're just money minded and always do the work first, then ask for the money. Because even if you don't get the money, you've learned stuff. It's been fun. You're more employable. You can always leave and go and get 70K somewhere else. So never ask for the money first. You know, just do the work first. And you may say that sounds a bit weak from the negotiating point of view. But, you know, you want to get that under your belt. And then you've got an arguing position to 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 fight from, haven't you, as it were? I would also say it gives it gives that person a taste of what they could have. And then when you say, you know, if someone <laughs> yeah. says like, can you handle the Miami office and you kill it and you did so well and the Miami office mm. loves you, whatever. And then you kind of lean back and go, well, if only I was getting paid for that. Now yeah. your boss you wouldn't is going, want to lose oh, me now, would you? Poop. Uh, you know, I either keep them you know, doing great at the Miami office or I lose, you yes. know, this, this little gem that I found. Nobody wants and, to and lose. You can always say, gems. I've been asked by somebody else to run their Miami office, but I don't want to leave because yeah. I love it here. I love working they're for you. Here. It's great. But you know, but they're, they're offering me quite a lot more. And, and clearly if you do actually have a little look around and see what's there, you can say, look, I had a quick look on the internet. There's a load of jobs running Miami offices and they're all like 70 or 80 K. So there's a thing called a BATNA, a best alternative to negotiated agreement so in other words an alternative batna best alternative to a negotiation so in other words if your boss won't agree won't won't negotiate an agreement with you and just says no you can't have any more what's your alternative and if you've got three other people who want you to come and do it for them then you can say to your boss look i don't want to leave i like it but you know these people are asking me so what do you do and yeah. uh, and so that's um if you've got the more alternatives, you've got the stronger, like never fall in what in love with one house, you know, because you always want to have so several true. houses you like. And, and then you've got power when you get. Now, that's hard to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. But 
but and, and and it's the same with jobs you know if, if you can have other alternatives there even just vague ones that you could apply for you could say look i've seen jobs advertised for this and i think i could probably get one if i wanted so i don't want to but you know i know yeah. they're out there so alternatives make you stronger but and, and they affect your walk away point of course yeah, I love this. I love this idea of this walk away point. I love all of your ideas, Chris, which is why I'm so excited to ask. <laughs> They're all these, stolen from places. <laughs> well, I love it. I'm about to I, literally I'm about to steal more from you. Get ready, because I I pick these kind of lightning questions because I basically just want to like blatantly copy your homework. We all want to just copy your homework. We want to know what you're doing. We want to know what you're using, copy what you're learning. So I'm curious, what is something that you have started using lately that you just absolutely love and recommend? It could be like a certain app or maybe it's a method or program, but I'm curious what you're using that you're really loving. Um, well, I, two things. The first one's a bit pathetic. I have rediscovered my Kindle. I've been reading uh, and I love my Kindle. It's so cheap. Um, I've just finished a really fantastic book actually called project hail mary and uh, it's, it's just it's like a, it's a science fiction story and i don't really have time to read novels much but somebody said you got to read it and i read it project hail mary because hail mary pass is like the last throw of the game isn't it when it's just desperately yeah. hoping and you know the human race is in real trouble and there's this one rocket <laughs> that might be able to save uh, but what a great book i absolutely mm. i might even have cried a bit at the end I, I'm not going to admit to that, but uh, no. We uh, admit to nothing on this show. Just, I can't tell you anything about what's in it, but honestly, people, if you like a good, exciting story with loads of science, there's loads of maths and science in it. And it's really interesting. Project Hail Mary. So my Kindle, but if you're talking about apps, the app I couldn't live without is Evernote. And I Evernote. stick everything in Evernote. I love yes. Evernote. I've got, I've got so 4,000 notes in Evernote. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, you know, it, when you were introducing this session just now, you said, wouldn't it be great to have coffee with somebody interesting? And then it was me, which was kind of weird. But I was thinking, you know, who would I have coffee with? And I was immediately thinking Bob Dylan um, well, and Bruce, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I'd love to just chat to him just to meet him, you know. But uh, there's also Michael Palin. I don't know. Do you know Michael Palin in America? I He's don't like, know. He was um, he does. He was in Monty Python's Flying Circus a long time ago, but he's, huh? he does travel programs. Um, and there's another guy called Ben Fogel who also does travel programs. And I think these people who travel are fascinating. So Ben Fogel interviews people who've given up the rat race and gone to live, you know, in the jungle mm. somewhere. And they've made their own house and solar supply or whatever. And he talks to them about what's it really like. And do you get lonely? And what if you get ill and stuff? And, but ben and how Fogel do you is, stay caught up on him? You follow him on social media yeah, well, or you? Okay. Um, well, I watch his, he's got two or three series. He's oh. been doing a series here in the UK on, uh, abandoned places and why they were abandoned so there are, for example some scottish islands where nobody lives anymore why did they abandon them but he's really interested in in sort of happiness and how people live their lives and i just think he's a really good guy and you know he, he'd be the person i'd have dinner with but but the point is that um along with various attractive women obviously they'd be on the list as well but <laughs> Am I allowed those? I don't Chris, know. maybe we should start naming them and hope yeah, that well, they're not watching this. Can Shania Twain dinner with me? I don't know if she's there. Um, maybe she don't. She don't impress me much or whatever. But um, <laughs> but but the point is, when you were talking about, I thought, who would I have dinner with? And I just went to Evernote, and I just put in Bob Dylan because I knew he was on my list. And and up came all these names because ages ago I was thinking about who would I like to have dinner with, you know, and I just for some reason, just wrote a few names on there. That says Kim Corp on there now. Yeah. But anyway, so, but no, I, but, but so I've got, yeah, I've got this list of sort of authors and the Dalai Lama's on there and, and loads of people are on there, comedians and things, but, but it. everything like that, you know, a list of people who you'd have, I just chuck it all into Evernote because then I don't have Evernote. to remember it. Yeah. And everything, everything from my collar size, you know, to um, things to remember when I pack, um, you know, where to park when I go to the airport, anything at all that I discover that is useful to remember, I stick it in Evernote because you can just search airport and it will just, there it will be, you know, yep. um, it films that people have recommended books that they've recommended, you know, everything. I, I, so Evernote is kind of my memory. And, yes. and, 
and my memory is not very good, but I don't forget anything because it's all in envelope. But also, it just takes away all the stress because I never have to worry about remembering stuff. You know, I just exactly. stick it all in there. And it's Jenny free. Blake, who Jenny Blake is an author that we've had on before, and she is fantastic. She wrote a book called Free Time. And what she talks about in that book is basically instead of using your brain as like a storage unit, you yeah. use Evernote as a storage unit. And that's yeah. where you that way well, your brain is free to be creative and come up yeah. with new ideas. It's not being used as a storage how, bin. If you think about a computer, they have RAM and then mm -hmm. they have hard drive storage, don't they? So you get like yeah. A gig of RAM or something. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's ten gig of RAM you get now. I don't know. And then the storage is like thousands of gigabytes, terabytes. And and so the computer has these two things totally different. And the RAM is where it does its thinking, and then it stores stuff in the storage. That's why it's called that. So computers are like that, and our brain is like that as well. But we don't realize that. So so you're right. We have the memory part of our brain, and then we have the processing part. And if you try to remember too much stuff you fill up your processing part and then you can't be creative you can't be creative unless your brain is completely empty so my brain is more or less empty my 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 thinking part but my storage <laughs> part that's got quite a lot and i've got evernote as well backing me up from behind exactly. so yeah so i don't even i'm not even thinking about what i'm doing tomorrow or the day after yeah. if, i mean i've got the dentist but apart from that if you ask me what am i doing next week you could you could you could offer me thousands of dollars. I can't tell you what I'm doing next week. I don't know because it's written yeah. in my Google calendar and it's there. Yeah. One oh, note, by like... the way, Jeff's put one note, which is that's very, very similar to Evernote. Yeah. Um, I think one note is a PC thing rather than the Mac thing. And I'm using a Mac, but, I don't, but Evernote appears everywhere. Like it's on my phone. It's on my laptop. It's on this PC I'm using now. Um, but. Yeah. So that. the main thing is clear everything out of your short term brain. You don't try to remember what you're doing next week. Just write it down. Write everything down. Dave Crenshaw would say this. By the way, have you had the mighty Crench on this yet? Yes. You've got to get Dave yes. Crenshaw. Have you had him? Yes. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. He's Amazing. a really interesting guy. As well. He's another guy who thinks about how the best way to live your life. Because in the end, that's what it's all about. You know, it's like, what, what is a good life what's the best way to to live your life um so, what, what will so make you happy and he's a good guy so true. yeah oh so I okay wait, speaking speaking of the best way to live your life if we we love homework around these parts we're a bit of like we're nerds around here so Ooh. if you could give us a homework assignment for the week it could be to do something it could be to watch something could be to read something could be to try something what would be a homework assignment that you would give everybody listening everybody watching that we should try well can have two things uh yeah. one of them watch my negotiating course i mean okay. you know and i'm not saying that for the money because each person who watches it i get about like 10 cents or something so it, yeah. it's fine you know i might make a dollar or ten dollars from the people but but do that just watch my negotiating course because you know yeah. i've researched it for years read loads of books put all the best bits in there so it's just there for you it's only an hour and that will change your life it, it's on linkedin learning so if you've got access to linkedin learning or if you've got linkedin premium that gives you free access or you yeah. can do the free monthly trial and watch all of my stuff and Kim's stuff and a load of other, you know, you can see the mighty crunch, you can see Dean Carroll. So, you know, just do a month's trial and watch everything. So it's on LinkedIn learning. You, you can also, I've got some slightly different negotiating courses on Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. And the thing with Udemy is you don't have to join it. You just buy the course for ten dollars right. or something so if you're going to watch loads of courses linkedin learning is definitely better value or if you're an employer because you could lobby your employer hey we should get linkedin learning and get your employer to pay because yeah. why would you not it's, you know like twenty dollars a month or something it's brilliant value but if you want to just Great. buy one course you can go to udemy and put chris croft in and i've got loads of things on there so right. i would say watch my course but if, if you want some more full-on homework than that then negotiate for something and a good game is to go into a shop like let's say you quite like bicycles right just go into a bike shop and just have a look at a really nice maybe an electric bike or something like that and and negotiate and just say i really like that 
that bike there how much is it and they go well, it's you know four thousand dollars you go can you reduce it at all and the guy will go well, how about three and a half and you go oh i don't know it's still a bit much can you reduce it anymore and just see how far you can get him to come down and when he eventually won't go any lower maybe you've got him down to three and a half maybe you've got him all the way down to one thousand i don't know you then say well okay well thanks i need to think about that or i need to just check with my with my partner but you know but i'll come back later or you could even buy the bike but you've got to be careful because you might end up buying a load of things you didn't want to buy <laughs> you know but but if it's a total bargain but the main thing is you now know you can get it for that and that will that that bargain will always be held if you want to come back later and you know do check with your partner you can always come back and buy it and this could be anything you could look at a pair of lovely walking boots and just say can you reduce them at all or you know maybe a ferrari you know can you reduce it at all so your homework is to just go and have a look at something maybe it's a beautiful yeah. handmade dress in a clothes shop and just yeah. say i really like it but it, it's outside my budget can you reduce it? maybe some jewelry you know maybe a great big diamond encrusted necklace and just say i really love it but you know can i try it on or whatever and then say i really love it but it's just outside my you know budget exactly. is there any chance get, get so, that practice in yeah, get those practice. reps in you're not going to buy it because the thing is if you really want to buy it that weakens you doesn't it and you you know you, you're being scared you think i'll just pay the price but if it's something you really don't care about i mean you could even do it with jewelry you don't like or a car or something that you don't like and just go in and say i, I like it but it's outside my price range could you reduce it because then there's no pressure on you at all and you can just see what they do and it just you get practice having the courage and half of them will say no that's the price but the other half will go yeah and now you know that it's possible to play the game so that's my homework oh that is hey, such good homework chris i the love shops it of this la is... and milan and all these places are going to hate me now everybody wins so if fun. they sell it Absolutely. No, this has been absolutely fantastic. If people want to keep learning from you, following you, what's the best place to do that? Is it LinkedIn? Is it your personal well, website? Yeah. Where should they follow you? A year ago, I would have said chriscroft.com and have a look at my website and still my website, you know, that I've got a blog and things on there and lots of free stuff. But actually, I'm putting a lot on LinkedIn now. I use LinkedIn as my sort of my diary, my journal really now i just put loads of things on LinkedIn. everything i'm thinking about i just stick it on linkedin so i think if you want to follow me just um yeah just stick chris croft into linkedin and follow me and like almost every day i put something on there and a lot of it is free and useful so i put videos from my courses that you can watch for free i sometimes put a whole course for free um I and i put all it. kinds of other stuff so yeah and sometimes i appear as my alter ego terry dactyl have you seen terry dactyl kim i don't know whether you've seen him no yet. i don't think so <laughs> oh right well i've been filming videos as this terrible man who um gets everything wrong so he's there and i you know it's him and not me because he's got like these strange glasses and he wears a tie and he's got a bit of an odd hairstyle oh, okay. and and he and he just he goes there's no point in training people it's a waste of money and things like that and so I've been making, but if you want to have a laugh, um, yeah. yeah, just in fact, you can search LinkedIn for Terry Dactyl, um, okay. D A C K T I W -L, L, Terry Dactyl. Do you, do you get the name, Terry Dactyl? I He's get a dinosaur. It. I, so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, so I have been fun making. In fact, I actually sent in a, a, a Terry Dactyl course to LinkedIn saying, to LinkedIn Learning, oh. to saying you could have a whole course on how not to do it. Because it's quite interesting because when you're thinking you're listening to him, you're thinking, no, that's definitely not right. You know, and you're and it really makes you kind of think because he's quite persuasive. At first, you think maybe he's right. And then you think, no, no, he's definitely not right. And, uh, you know, there's no point in asking for a raise. It will only upset your boss or whatever, you know. And right. I sent in a course and they said, no, that's too weird. No, we don't want Terry Dactyl on our <laughs> list of, of course. <laughs> So, but I've carried on just making the occasional video and putting them on LinkedIn because um, it amuses me. And I, I think it, I know it amuses other people as well. So if you want to have a bit of fun and maybe learn stuff, then follow me on LinkedIn and I hope, I hope you'll like it. 
Yeah, exactly, 100. Jeffrey. Yeah, dinosaur. A hundred percent. Well, Chris, this was so fun. Thank you for joining us, imparting your wisdom on us. It's a pleasure. I, Thank I, you very much. I really Thank you for appreciate me. it. I'm honoured. I'm honoured. And I would say course. definitely don't miss Dean Carell, everybody, when he's on. Yes, he'll be coming Carell? up in a few weeks. And like Chris said, everyone, check out his LinkedIn learning courses. I've taken them. They are fantastic. I have a little hunch that you will love them just as much as I did. And I will see everybody back here next week, next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Same time, same place. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you for having me, Kim. Thank you. It's been really fun. Bye, everybody. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard-hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.